0: You're listening to the Keeping Abreast with Karen podcast brought to you by the Karen T. Stall Research and Breast Institute. Now, here's your host, Karen T. Stahl.
1: Hello, and welcome to this beautiful, sunny Monday here in New Orleans in Metairie, Louisiana.
0: It's about time.
1: It is so nice to see the sunshine. That pool looks very inviting, but I have a laundry list about an arm lengths long of things to do. So It's August. How I did know.
0: August get here? Like I thought it was still starting?
1: February.
0: <laughs> time travel has gone on in the last few months, as I'm sure has happened with everyone.
1: Twilight Zone.
0: <laughs> but we've been enjoying our Monday here at the house we and have. Uh, playing with the Woogster.
1: Oh, he was so cute today in his jumper chair. He had his own personal trainer today.
0: That's right. His Uncle Chucky came in to play and we got a workout in. He's, it's not going to be long before he's stronger than me. I can feel this boy. We have another twofer on Survivors here today. We have the, the second part of Sherling Brignag Werner's story, which you're not going to want to miss and grab you a little Kleenex. You might shed a tear. But we also have Jan Kataya in, who is a, a, a mom from the Brother Martin days. And,
1: and Jan and the whole Kataya family are longtime friends uh, of ours, and they're just some of the nicest, most wonderful people you'll ever, ever know.
0: Always exciting when we have two survivors on the show to give their perspective on what happened during their breast cancer journey and how their doctors and support system were there for them. I know we always like to tell people to use that as a reference when you're thinking of how to care for someone in your own life when you hear these interviews
1: and i think what you'll hear today is how to handle a situation when a friend or loved one is going through a crisis um, don't wait for them to ask for help bring dinner over and also their um, integrative therapies were very different but very helpful to both of them jan said she did a lot of praying she did a lot of leaning on god and uh Shirling is the queen of exercise. I'm sure she did some praying too, but Shirling can do anything in an exercise room and knock it out of the park. And that helped her mentally get through her ordeal.
0: And there's so much research behind these things. Of course, you know, they can't explain why prayer works. No one can explain those kinds of things and when they just do and it and it helps your mental state. But prayer, exercise, painting, meditation, yoga, um, any of these outlets are going to just increase your quality of life, period. It's going to put your mind uh, in a better place for battle.
1: And we are reminded that the mental battle in this situation is half of the battle of getting well from breast cancer, and it's been proven over and over again.
0: I've noticed that as a running theme when we have guests on, is that they talk about the toll it takes on you mentally how uh, w- through either through some of the drugs or just the, like the news of itself, the trauma of the event itself uh, taking its toll. And not just after the cancer event ends, I have, I, I'm sure that has a lingering effect throughout one's life.
1: It does. And, and you'll hear Jan talk about, hey, wait a minute. I, I'm not ready to leave this earth. I'm, I got to get up and fight. And when you get to that point in, in your battle, it's game on. And you're ready to just kick ass.
0: (laughs) You guys are great. Have been such a a special support system to one another. Uh, Those relationships that have been developing for years and the friendships that you've had. And now to see everyone giving back through the foundation to reach out and help another human, another person struggling. Is there anything better?
1: It's the best job in the world. I don't even think of it as a job. It's really fun to participate in every day.
0: Well, speaking of fun participation in the foundation, this is a perfect time to talk about Click to Save. It's really happening. It's becoming (laughs) a real thing. Uh, We've had our meetings with Production Company and with Thompson Auctions, who are going to once again partner with us to make this event happen. And we're just so excited about the feedback we've gotten from... People have heard about it on the podcast or seen about it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They say they're ready to go.
1: And our development of our sponsorship levels will be available by the end of this week. We have also contracted with uh, Martin Wine Cellar, who will be putting baskets together for us. If you want to have your very own living room party with party food and our signature drink for the year, it's there's no place like home this year, and that's how we're going to do it. But you're going to have the best fun.
0: Virtual events are where it's at in 2020, and we don't know if we're going to throw the best one, but we're going to throw a great one.
1: You'll be amused one way or the other. You'll be amused.
0: <laughs> so, I think we should kick off today's episode with Miss Jan's interview. I think so. So, without any further ado, here's Miss Jan Kataya.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Keeping Abreast with Karen on this Mamory Monday, another gloomy day. And with us today is Jan Kataya. Also, a a breast cancer survivor and a member of our Mom Squad terrorist group that we had (laughs) spoken of in an earlier podcast. How are you today, Jan?
3: Doing well. Thank you. You look fabulous. Oh, you're so sweet. So do you. And Thank you. you, And I love all the work you're doing. Happy to be part of it. Thank you. Jan was one of
2: our honorees in 2019, and you have a very, very good story You're almost like a a breast cancer pioneer. Uh,
3: (laughs) Can can you tell us your story? And and you are. I can't. It was. It is actually interesting, and I think um, when you look, when I look back on it now, I think I don't know. I think it would have been different had I been diagnosed today as opposed to 25 years ago, you know, when I first, um, it was scary. I was young. I was 38 years old. I was young. Wow. Nobody in my family had had breast cancer before and no one has had it since. And so wow. it's definitely something different and new. And, um, so the first I, I didn't had to ask me about being stage four, which when I went into this, I didn't know it was stage four. They didn't actually give me that stage four diagnosis until later on. And I had done a needle biopsy and the needle biopsy came back negative that it wasn't cancer.
0: And I just had
3: a set. Yeah. So I went into surgery to remove a cyst thinking I didn't have cancer. Oh my gosh. So they come out and they say, no, it is cancer, but they didn't remove it. And because they wanted me to have my options and stuff like that. Well, You know how that is. You go around, you get lots of recommendations. I ended up changing doctors and I went to a wonderful doctor, Dr. Alan Stoyer, who I think a lot of people have used. I think he may be retired now or maybe just consulting. And, um, and so when they went in the, the second time, they didn't tell me stage four and I was supposed to have the reconstruction at the same time. And it didn't happen because it was much further. Progress than they realized. Wow. It actually affected, um, uh, and I don't remember the number of lymph nodes and stuff like that, which I guess they didn't see on scans. They didn't have the ability to see on all that, so I don't know if in today's and how much technology has changed if you would have, if they would have caught that before it went in. Wow. So it, So it's a little bit, you know, so you don't know, but it was scary. So I had a couple of Bumps to start off, you know. But then, uh, um, you know, we, we we got through it. <laughs> and this you know, was and pre so.
2: pre three D tomosynthesis availability, so oh, a lot of it was probably winging it on a two D and doing exploratory
3: exploratory surgery. It mm-hmm. absolutely was. You know, I did all the mega scans, the mugger scans, all the different yes. things. You still did all that. So, but I think even they were surprised when they got in there, obviously they were, that it was, it was more invasive than they had realized.
2: Well, it sounds like you had some, um,
3: some heavenly intervention there. Uh, Yeah. That's a scary diagnosis. A scary, so it was scary. And, um, but I, I I don't know, Karen, I think you just went day by day, (laughs) you know, you just kind of went through it and said your prayers. Yeah. And, and
2: you get a little bit numb and glazed over. And exactly.
3: Exactly. You just can't
2: believe it's happening to you.
3: You can't. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And my mother had died two years before with um, with throat cancer, not wow. not breast cancer. So you are, you kind of, my whole family was like, wait, we we're doing this again? You know, kind of thing, you know, yeah. it was scary. It really was. It was scary. Yeah. And you said you had a young family. How old were your children yeah, at the time? Yeah. Seven, nine, and twelve. So they that's were just, they were little. And so I think though that I knew I had to I had to take care of them. I had to keep going, and I had to stay strong for them. And I do think attitude is a lot of things. Positive attitude, believe that. Did a lot of meditation. Said my rosary a lot, <laughs> you know. And I, I absolutely and I, I do believe in that, you know. I Indeed. Really do. Yeah. Those
2: integrative therapies make the difference mm-hmm. in how you get well. Yeah, it uh, does. It's meditation. It does. Like said, the
3: meditation was really soothing and it really mm-hmm. helped. And I was very good about doing it because I needed it. I needed it because I had to get up. I still worked. I worked through the whole thing wow. and um, and had three kids, you know, and, and I, mean, I, I had help. You know, my husband was there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Lots of friends. I had my dad was alive. My mother had died, but my dad and my dad and my sisters. So I had lots of help. um, A great family where we live. And I also have a great amount of friends. You know, they took my, um, they drove carpools for me. They Mm -hmm. brought food. They brought kids to practices, all the things that you just were too sick to do. And back, I think 25 years ago, I, I was sick. I don't think they had the anti nausea medicine oh, and stuff poor like that. Thing. But, you know, you you were sick, I, you know, so oh. there was a lot you couldn't do in you a week, you know, but you just kept going. And we were talking about that earlier
2: today in a podcast recording um, that some people don't know what to say or do in a situation right. for you and then you're surprised by some people who jump in and drive carpool
3: for you. Right, Or take your trash out and they don't ask, it just
2: happens.
3: And and, and they just do it, and I've learned from it, so now I know one of the best things was a friend came by and brought um, like a box just of cereals and breakfast foods. You know, she's, you know, everybody drops off dinner, and then you still got other meals to do, you know, stuff like that, so I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so right, And it was perfect. You know, picked up my kids and take them to study for exams and stuff like that, which was, it was very, very nice. And there's a lot of, you know, really good people out there. And,
2: <laughs> and that's, that's true. Helpful. And I, I think that's probably going to be the theme of, of this podcast is um, knowing what to do for someone. Don't ask if you can help them just, just do,
3: do what it. you see and I have learned to be that. Done. You show up with the soup, you show yes. up with something or yes. you pick up. You drop off, you do something. Yes. Yeah, it makes I, all I, the difference. It sure does. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And your husband Lee's a great guy, and I know he, he was a really, great source of yeah. strength for you. <laughs> oh, he he was really good. You I know, mean, he was scared. You know, but I found um, he, he some kind of he doesn't know what to do. So then you end up doing with well, something that doesn't need to be done. You know, but he just <laughs> didn't know what to do. <laughs> so he just, just Kind of walks in a circle, but he was very, very good. I can't, I can't say it, you know, not enough good things. You know, really, he was really good and loving and stuff. So it it was nice. And it helps when you have strong family bonds and friends and you get through it a lot faster. It it does. It does help. It really does. You know, really, really did. So, well, if if
2: you could give a piece of advice to someone who might be listening to this podcast, struggling with their own breast cancer crisis Uh and journey, what would you say to them?
3: Um, have faith <laughs> for sure mm-hmm. um, positive attitude is a biggie a positive attitude is busy I'm going to say you have to kind of love your doctor if you're sure. not if you don't love your doctor and feel confident in him then change doctors I changed doctors in the middle you know or in the beginning rather I changed doctors because I just didn't feel right um, I also think that the nurses or a phenomenal a source of information. The doctor comes in there with all his stuff, blah blah blah. blah. But the nurses know the details. Don't you know? They'll ask you. Um, you, know, you can ask them anything, and they really know. You're really gonna get sick, or that you're gonna. These are gonna be the side effects. Expect this. Don't expect that. I thought the nurses were wonderful, but I'll tell you, the best piece of advice I got was from Doctor Stoliar. I go into him, and blah blah blah. Of course, I'm um, crying. And because um, the diagnosis is not great, you know, and he says, you know, what are, what are you crying about? And I said, well, all is going on. And he told me, he says, you give me one year of your life to get better. And if you're not where I think you're going to be in a year, then I'll cry with you. Wow. So I'm like, well, oh, I, I can give a year. Mm-hmm. I can do anything for a year. And I didn't cry again till that year was mm-hmm. up. I really didn't. I was determined not to do it, that I was going to be strong and, wow. and push through it, you know. just just some simple
2: words yeah
3: yeah it was impacted me really
2: yeah simple words that made a big difference and i I think i remember you telling me that failure for you was not an option because you had such a young
3: family Uh, and you wanted to be around i i i felt like i I wasn't done yet you know i had to be there you know and still feel that way (laughs) not done yet (laughs) (laughs) not done yet Yes. Oh, that's yeah. true. No, yeah. um,
2: we are very blessed in very, very treatment much that so. we received, and and I know a lot of survivors who who went through Dr. Stolier's office and just sing his praises. And I, I have never right. had the pleasure of meeting him, but um, yeah. his reputation precedes him for
3: sure. Right. Yeah. He, he was very, very good. You know, he he was, and a very calming, mm-hmm. a very calming, and just made me feel like all right, I, I'll be, I'm going to be okay. So I felt that I needed to go with that, you know, that I was going to be okay.
2: And I needed to do with
3: my my sisters and my dad, you know, they were my backbone. You know, they, they were the strength because I was like, Oh my God, we can't do this again. I can't do this to them again. We had just buried my mom, you know? Yeah. That's so traumatic. Yeah. So. Well, Jan
2: you are the picture of health no one well, would thank know you <laughs> You went through such a scary ordeal and no yeah. one would guess that you have seven beautiful
3: grandchildren oh thank you thank you and they are adorable
2: <laughs> they are and the Kataya yeah. family is uh-huh. some of the best people I've ever known in my life oh, and and so glad sweetest. to have uh-huh. gone through this life with you all in it
3: oh I feel the same about y'all I really do <laughs> I really do
2: well, I thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you at Click to Save, our
3: virtual event this I, year. I just saw that email. That's wonderful. I hope so too. You know, yes. we're, it's crazy um, we're, times are in right now.
2: Huh? Expect a few laughs and a few flubs because we're kind of making it up as we go along. But
3: You'll be along with everyone else. I think it's about the same.
2: That's it. That's, that's it. it.
3: That's it. That is it. All right, honey, we love you. Love you too.
2: hi everyone. I
3: will, you do the same. Thanks, Karen.
2: Bye-bye.
0: That was Sip to Save 2019 honoree Jan Kataya joining us and we hope you enjoyed her story and hopefully that it gave you some information on what this is, this breast cancer journey that some of our loved ones are on. And I hope she gave you an insight on how you can help someone else.
2: And
1: she truly was a pro, a pioneer because mm-hmm. things have changed so much from the time she went through her crisis to present.
0: We have part two of Sherling Brignag-Warner's story, and it is a beautiful story. When we left last time, she had received her diagnosis and begun treatment, and her and her husband had, or her now husband, had an, an impromptu wedding. <laughs> um, and they, they had to get a, a, a ring out of a gumball machine. Yeah, they something.
1: stopped and got um, rings out of the gumball machine at the convenience store on their way to the courthouse.
0: That, that's really cool. <laughs> Before work. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but so. it's got
1: a great, great fairy tale ending. And uh, I hope you, you stay and listen through it because it's a good story. They're good folks.
0: So here is part two of the Sherling brignag Warner interview.
2: Welcome back with our guest, Sherling Warner from our memory Monday last week, to share the second half of her very, very unique story. Sherling, thank you for taking some time with us today.
4: Well, thank you for having me back, It's my
2: pleasure. So Sherling, you were in the middle of the fight of your life. You had to make some very radical decisions about staying alive and surviving. And your mom calls and says, Sherling, I have something I need to share with you.
4: Yeah. So um, my diagnosis of breast cancer was on October 1st. So my mom gives me a call on January 2nd and tells me that um, two or three days prior, she had a biopsy and she too now is going to be starting treatment for breast cancer along with
2: myself. I I can't imagine how blown away you must have felt. I can't imagine that part of your support system was starting to crumble around you.
4: Yeah, I mean, I definitely was not expecting that on the other end of the line. You know, my mom um, obviously had always been there for me, and she was being a very big part of my treatment and going through my battle, my journey. And she was also very diligent about having her exams and doing self-checks. And so to hear her say that she too now was positive for breast cancer, I mean, I wasn't surprised because of the family history, but I wasn't expecting it during that time. But, you know, it kind of made sense because everybody has that moment where they're asking, why? Why is this going on? Why is this happening to me? And everybody deals with things differently. And I tend to um, put my emotions aside and make everything into a job. This is what I need to do next. And my mom tends to be a little more emotional about things. And maybe she just needed to see somebody close to her go through it and see that she's gonna be okay and it's not going to be the end of the world. And so at that point, you know, I definitely was shocked to find out she too was positive, but it all kind of made sense of why my journey even began at that point.
2: So you kind of lifted each other up and sort of carried each other over the finish line at this point. Um, I, I can't begin to imagine how afraid your dad must have felt my poor dad, he is a man of few words. He,
4: um he shows through his actions, you know, his feelings. And um you could tell in his face on a daily basis, he was, he was terrified, you know, his wife and his, his middle child, both were going through this. And, you know, he, he definitely felt helpless, I think, on that aspect, you know, he tried to cater to my, my mother as much as he could. And he's a very, very compassionate giving person. And so it came, second nature to him but I think also he just didn't know what to do because my
2: mom was worried about herself but also worried about her baby at the same time. Sure and and was John able to be of some support to your dad since he was kind of in in the trenches at this point?
4: Yeah I think they they had a few conversations where they John was like look you know you're not going to be able to fix it you can't fix the problems. You just need to be there and it and be supportive and do the best you can with what you have because there's nothing that you're gonna be able to do to fix the problem. You just need to be there when they need someone to take the problem out on, <laughs> basically. And so mm-hmm. I think it's nice for for my mom and my dad both to see how the two prior months, John and I, had handled everything and and to see that, you know, there is a way to get through this with family and support. And um, it's not going to be the end of the world.
2: Now, your sister is now on the sidelines watching Rome burn, so to speak, uh, and and probably feels like, oh, my goodness, this is my fate as well.
4: Yes. Yeah, so my sister, I think it definitely um, put a big pause in her life. Um, we growing up, we always shared a room, we were super close. And so just when I was diagnosed, you know, she was very upset and then my mom followed right behind her and behind myself. And I think her world kind of came to a standstill at one point and um, she made the decision to start to move forward to see what she needed to do about having a prophylactic mastectomy and doing um, more intense surveillance on herself. Mm -hmm. to prevent anything from surprising her in the future.
2: So at that point, did you all do some gene testing, the BRAC BRAC testing? We did, once
4: my mother was diagnosed. When I was diagnosed, I didn't do it for financial reasons. My insurance did not cover genetic testing, and it was uh, very expensive. Um, However, a lot of people don't realize that if someone in your immediate family tests positive, at least at that time, you were able to get it done for $200. So my mother, when she was diagnosed, they were like, you know, this isn't just a coincidence to family history, your 25-year-old daughter, she went ahead and got tested. And when she came back positive, my sister and I both also were tested and both ended up BRCA1 positive. And so, um, you know, that definitely helped in my sister's decision of having a prophylactic mastectomy. And um, every six months, she gets surveillance as well, just to, you know try to catch things before they get rolling, I guess.
2: And really the, that gene testing in your case pretty much concern, confirmed what you already knew from your family history. It just solidified what you had to do and, and to have knowledge for your children, uh, well, for your sister who already had children and then subsequently for children you were hoping to plan in the future. Correct, correct. So, fast forward, you had a beautiful wedding ceremony, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house with the procession of happy, healthy people walking down the aisle. And some of our listeners may not be aware um, that it's possible to bank fertility and protect your future family plans. But you you didn't have time for that. You were in a rush to save your life. And so you were hoping to start a family after your wedding. And God sent you some very unexpected special blessings um, not long after you and John were married. That's right. So
4: a lot of people don't actually talk about the part of fertility concerns with breast cancer. So treatment alone can cause infertility, it can put you into a postmenopausal space, space in general that you don't come out of. Well, I I did enter what we thought was menopause. And, um, I would say five months after my last radiation treatment, I, uh, started having some odd symptoms, decided to take the pregnancy and lo and behold, I was pregnant. (laughs) And, uh, found out when I was only about six weeks along that it was for twins. So I was very pregnant, even though it was only six weeks. And so, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I definitely got a blessing, a double dose of blessings all at once.
2: Well, right. we will we will have to ask you to share some pictures of the girls um, that we can use to post during our YouTube broadcast of this because they are absolutely a. Ad- Adorable, and I know you say they keep you on your toes every day.
4: They are a mess. That you know they're going to be eight years old in July, and I can't believe I'm saying that. But <laughs> I feel like it's going on thirteen or fifteen. They are a mess, but
2: adorable and cute as can be. Well, we're going to circle back a second to your wedding ceremony and talk a little bit about the exchange of your wedding bands at on the big day in front of god and friends and family and when john asked his father to hand him the ring to put on your finger what did john's father hand to him
4: you know it was that shiny purple plastic ring from <laughs> our original wedding date uh, <laughs> you know it was comic relief that was needed in that moment that whole room was a hot mess of tears and uh the outburst of laughter
2: for that purple ring it was much needed and the applause it was so wonderful and a fabulous party was had after that and you're kind of living the happily ever after fairy tale now and I couldn't yeah. be happier for you I couldn't love you more than I do my heart just explodes with joy for you and John and the girls and um Here's to many, many years of a healthy life. And how many years cancer-free are you now?
4: I have nine years. Wow. We already have a trip booked next year for my 10 year. We're going back to Jamaica. We went for our honeymoon.
2: So That's that's going to be perfect. Um, And let us know if we can help you with the girls. And we just, we love you guys and are so happy for your, your happy ending and your happy life absolutely love, love you, you honey thank you and um, we'll see you real soon after this COVID well, junk is over
4: absolutely it will put you on the calendar at some point as soon as this is over with
2: that would be so nice well mwah, I love you and I'll see you soon all right love you take care bye-bye
0: you doing all right over there mom yeah
1: you know it was a story that I lived with through you know it was a story that I lived and experienced with her. Um,
0: You're Aunt Karen. You're I am her Aunt, Aunt Karen. Karen.
1: And um, to see it all come to fruition, it was like a movie uh, at her wedding ceremony. It all came, all of her wishes came true. Her health was back. It was just uh, a terrific end to a very scary beginning.
0: If we lived in California, you would have already seen this on Netflix. a Lifetime, written, for sure. Someone would have written the script to it, because it, it's a perfect story, and they're, they're, her family, her mother, her husband, her entire support staff, they're so genuine and loving towards one another, and it's very inspiring. Uh, no doubt, that, that plays a giant role in her recovery, in her happy ending.
1: It truly did, and she took charge of her situation Um, I don't know that I've met a braver young woman at the time, she was only 25 or 26 years old, and just took charge of it. Very impressive.
0: We were, as we were uh, listening to the interview, and we are talking about how how old the kids are now, and it's like, has it been that long? Has time time flown? The
1: twins are going to be eight. It's just crazy.
0: So that was exactly how she described them. I mean, I mean, that's all eight-year-olds, you know, in general are just her, crazy. Her
1: twins are a bundle of adorable energy. She probably doesn't think it's adorable, but I, they're they're mischievous. They're sweet. They're loving. They're just... They're eight. They're eight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as a lot of people have found uh, with, with the homeschooling and the virtual learning and the lack of summer camp availability that... Uh, You know, these people that work with their children and and caretakers, teachers, et cetera, uh, they're definitely worth their weight in gold.
1: Yeah, I think people are finding a new perspective on the education system and what their children's educators go through every day. It is not a cushy job. It is a tough job.
0: Now, we know we have some families that may be here in the podcast that are getting ready to go back to school and they may have an on-campus experience or a virtual learning experience or a mix of the two, and you're trying to wonder, well, how does this affect you know, my person at home? Well, w- we invite you to, to to, check out the CDC's guidelines on dealing with higher-risk individuals in, in your home and how you can protect them and or to do your best practices in order to protect someone who uh, – has a pre-existing condition like a cancer event or some other weakened immunity and or anything on the the list of 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 conditions that that put people at higher risk so make sure you educate yourself on everything not just uh, the breast cancer side of things but how external factors can affect that person in your life
1: and a lot like breast cancer treatments i don't think there's a blanket answer here i think everybody's got to make an individual decision for what the best educational opportunity is for their child and their family,
0: and when you and when you have these, uh, you can be the the most careful person ever and contract COVID. No doubt, I was. It, I, I was as careful as it got and, and contracted COVID and was down for the count for a little while.
1: And there is no explanation on God's green earth why I didn't get it because I took care of you and Shana in the beginning, bringing you guys provisions. Mm-hmm. And then when this house of Usher fell,
0: <laughs> COVID Manor,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I didn't realize that three weeks had gone by and I had been taking care of three adults and a baby by myself. Never got it. No, and and I tr- uh, tested negative for the antibody. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, it had talked to the cancer who had told it you were too mean. Step back. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah, not step good. off. Not hospitable. <laughs> <laughs> so, but remember. We here at the Karen T. Stahl Research and Breast Institute are here to help. We're here to be an ear to Ben, a source of information that we hope we can provide you with the best. And, or if you just, if you, we're here for grant applications. We're here to help our partners at the Ochsner, LSU, and other major health facility foundations. And we need your help. We need you to come to our next Breast Friends meeting which is going to occur via Zoom on
1: Wednesday. And if you would like to participate and become a volunteer in Breast Friends, men or women are welcome to join us. Please send us your email information, and we'll include you in the email and send the Zoom invite to you that way as well.
0: That's how you know you're in. Once you get that Zoom link, you know we like you.
1: <laughs> and we're going to discuss what our plan is for our vol- We have the most wonderful volunteers. Uh, what i plans are for our volunteers to participate this year would be pretty different from last year and years past, but it's very needed.
0: And if you're wondering, what does a breast friend do? Well, in the past for our in-person event, those are the people you see working tables. Those are the ones checking you out, uh, selling you raffle tickets, playing games with you. Those are our breast friends. Our volunteers are, they're the best. But they're also, it's a social club. It's it fun. We get together. We hang out. I think in times like this, we need some community.
1: We do. And it's a shame that we can't meet in person because um, we have a great time. We usually have some delicious uh, pickup nibbles to eat while we work, and it, it doesn't feel like work.
0: So there will be no delivered nibbles at this Breast Friends <laughs> meeting as a disclaimer, but th- what there will be is a lot of people like-minded that want to do good in this world, want to leave this world a little bit better than we found it, and when you surround yourself with good people, I think it improves your quality of life overall. So that's my sales pitch to try to get you to come and spend some time with us at KTSRBI. Become one of our best friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Karen T. Stall 3D. You can always email me, Chuck, at KTSRBI.org or mom at Karen at KTSRBI.org. Check us out at KTSRBI.org on the internet. We hope to see you soon
1: and demand 3D, and have a fabulous Monday. Thanks, John.